Hey, we'd like to introduce you to a new module by Recovery Effects, the Bleeding Hearts, a random sequencer, rhythm generator, destroyer, and filter. The Bleeding Hearts is an effect device that at its core starves, bit crushes, splatters, and filters audio sources like no other. Feeding a gate signal to the Bleeding Hearts enables a whole new world of strange and random analog generated movement. Every position of the eight-step sequencer can bleed into each other and interact with the destruction effect, creating gated and filtered splatters, glitches, and crunches that move to the beat of your patch. Whoa. Pod Mod Bods, welcome to another episode of the Podular Modcast. I'm Tim Held. Today we have Naomi Mitchell from Omi Industries. They currently have one module for sale, but it is a very, very cool module. It is a dual digital shift register. And it's a shift register-based pseudo-random CV and gate generator. And we're going to get into way more detail. And uh, Naomi's going to give us a little demonstration. So, um, But before we get into that, I want to talk for a moment about a friend of mine named Chloe Harris, a.k.a. Rika. Her and her husband, Mark, um, run the very amazing and influential record label, Further Records. Um, and they have three amazing children, and unfortunately, their youngest, Cameron, was just diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma cancer. And he's going through uh, chemo treatments right now. And so there's a GoFundMe page, and I will have a link to that in the, uh, the episode details. If you guys could head over there and help them out, that would be so great. Another way you could help them out is to go to uh, furtherrecords.org and uh, you know buy some great music from them. Um, yeah, I just can't imagine what they're going through. And if you guys could send out as much positive vibe and and help out in any way you can that would be great um chloe's music as rika and just everything on the further uh, label roster has been a huge influence on me uh, personally and uh yeah it's just it's a really sad story and their, their kids are great um yeah so i don't I'm, I'm not very good at talking about stuff like this but if you guys could help out uh it would be so awesome And of course, thank you to uh, Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis, our sponsors. Um, they got a lot of cool stuff going on. And if you want to check them out, uh, recoveryeffects.com and AISynthesis.com. Let's talk to Naomi and see what this uh, dual digital shift register is all about. But, um, so we have Naomi from Omi Industries. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, congratulations. I see that you... Uh, that the uh, the dual digital shift register is being carried in big city music, analog heaven, and soon to be control. Yeah, yeah. Um, shipped. That is awesome. It'll be it'll be stocked at control by the time this goes to air. I shipped them off a day or two ago. So, do you want to uh, run through and just kind of give us a brief uh, description of what what your module is? Uh, yeah. So a shift register. Um, basically, it takes information in at uh, a data input, basically, um, and then uh, it is clocked, and each successive clock uh, moves the information down a series of registers um, until it gets to the final stage, and then it kind of falls off or is shifted out. Um, and so okay. in modular synthesis, there's... Um, there are analog shift registers and digital shift registers. Um, a couple of examples of digital shift or just other shift register circuits are the Turing machine from Music Thing Modular. 
um, is probably okay. the one that people most know. It's very popular. Um, and what else? The Noise Ring um, from, uh-huh. yeah, from Maleko and Grant Rector. And then actually the Benjolin, uh, the Rungler circuit on the Benjolin is a shift register based design, which is... Okay, I, I haven't heard of that last one. Oh, the Benjolin, it's... It's it's a great module. It's a ton of fun. It's like um, it's two oscillators that FM each other, and then also feed a shift register that also feeds back into the oscillators. Um, and it has a really nice filter on it. And it's this like I don't know, just kind of like self-contained chaotic system. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of what uh, what drove the uh, the production of the of my module, the dual digital shift register, because it's great. Um, it's tons of fun to use, but you can't clock it externally. Uh, and so okay. that always bugged me. So I was like, I'll just do something similar that you, that you can clock. <laughs> okay. Well, then you just answered my next question because I was going to ask, um, why, why did you start with this? Because this is, this is the first module that you've put out, right? And, and yeah. the, the, yeah, the only the one? Or? Yeah, the dual digital shift register, the current version is available as retail. And then there's an older version that's available as a DIY PCB and panel set. Um, and also I partnered with uh, Robert Smith uh, making the panel for his uh, 4013 module. Not the Cure Robert Smith. No, not the Cure Robert Smith. Uh, whenever I got an email <laughs> from joke. him, I would always be like, oh, wow. <laughs> so um, I definitely want to dive into your particular module and, and, and check out some of the sounds and ask more questions about it. But I'd yeah. kind of like to start at the beginning and just see um, when did you, how did you find yourself designing modules was it kind of were you uh diying stuff or did you go and do electrical engineering or what, what's the background um no i was diying stuff uh first i got into circuit bending a little bit um you know like speak and spell or yeah i did an sk1 that's kind of the classic uh mm-hmm. circuit bent keyboard and then um, some other kind of noise boxes and uh, some stuff that Casper Electronics put out. Um, and then kind of around the same time that I was getting into that, uh, a lot of those companies were moving into Yarrack. Um, and so I okay. eventually <laughs> uh, moved into Yarrack. I think I had a microboot first and I traded that with someone Uh yeah, at first I just had a, a Richter Wogglebug, the old school Wogglebug, and a Phonogene. Oh. <laughs> and I was just okay. doing kind of like uh, sample manipulation with randomness. And you can get a lot out of that, yeah, I found. I was going to say, you could, have, you could have a lot of fun with just those two modules, I imagine. Yeah, especially if you're like recording more than one pass, you can definitely get a lot out of it. Yeah. Okay, so circuit bending, and then that's funny. Um, we were just talking about Eli before we started recording for Mystic Circuits, but it sounds like he had a similar story in that he was really into a couple brands and then saw them go modular, and he kind of just he went that way as well. Yeah, it is also kind of funny because I feel like a lot, uh, a surprising amount of people is just like, 
how I taught myself or I got friends to help teach me. Um, a lot of people just didn't go to engineering school. They're all self-taught in the Eurorack, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, f- from what I've gathered so far with talking to everybody, it, it seems like th- it's, it, that's more often the case than they, than they studied it in college, which I have, I have found surprising myself. Yeah, it's very, very DIY ethics. Um, you know, lots of everyone kind of, I can't say everyone, but a lot of people, you know, are willing to help you out on your designs and, you know, help you on your way. I definitely received a lot of help. Um, in making my module. So you're, you're circuit bending stuff and you're having fun. And then when, when does it kind of become like, hey, I think I can start doing my own, my own stuff? Yeah, well, um, it kind of, I got to the point, uh, you know, after uh, a year or two of being in Modular Synth where I was like, I want things in my setup that don't exist and I want to make them myself. Uh, and so I kind of set about kind of outlining it. I kind of, I don't know, sat on the idea for a little bit and then eventually kind of decided that I did want to move forward and uh, make it and mass produce it potentially. Um, and so at first I, I got help from, again, Robert Smith, not of the cure. Um, and he kind of, yeah, uh, helped with that first one and then... Um, yeah, I was, I was working full time, so I didn't really have time to, you know, learn. Every, oh, there's a helicopter, uh, <laughs> flying overhead. Uh, I live in between downtown and Hollywood, so there's lots of helicopters that fly over. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I was busy all the time. And so it was kind of like hard to like design everything. If you're working full time, then you know, your days off, you kind of want to do nothing. Um, but then I, when I yeah. moved, when I moved to LA, I had some time off and I kind of just like focused in and kind of made it a priority and worked towards it. And kind of now I'm at the place that I have it, uh, released. So that's been really amazing. Kind of surreal. <laughs> I've, I've got this pie in the sky dream of being able to one day design, like I, I can build a kit and, it'll work 90% of the time. And I think that's about as good as it's going to get for me. So, so from start from, from like the, Hey, I want to, I want to build my own designs to now. What, what was the, what was the time frame? A year and a half, two years, something like that. Um, it was a long okay. time coming. Well, that's, that's pretty, well, that's pretty good if you're working full time and, and, you know, and then, I mean, I know you said you had some time off towards the end of buckle down, but yeah, yeah that's that. That's cool. Take, it takes motivation, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does take a lot of motivation. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like, it's definitely one thing that I can focus all my effort into, or not all of my effort, but focus my effort into, and it's fun and rewarding. That's kind of how I'm feeling about doing this show. I was kind of at this crossroads of whether, whether I wanted to um, make a new album or try to do something new creatively. And, uh, because I'd kind of just gotten into modular modular stuff, I, I didn't think I was ready to try to make an album with it. So, um, but this has been a, a new a new challenge and and pretty fun. So, um, and I get to talk to interesting people like you. So, yeah, 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 it's more of the kind of DIY ethos ethos where it's like yeah, <laughs> start your own podcast, start your own 
yeah, and like the mo- the the modular on the spot thing. Like we're just gonna do our own our own uh, concert series, and then everybody just started doing it everywhere. There's there definitely is that really strong DIY um, spirit within the modular community, and then just the community itself seems like it's it's really open and and warm for the most part from from what yeah. I've gathered so far. Yeah, no, there is there is a lot of warmth um, in the community. I mean, yeah, I felt pretty pretty good about the community everyone's pretty nice and you know mostly everyone's pretty nice but (laughs) the vast majority of people are nice and friendly and you know want to help support people who are getting into it and you know that sort of important stuff um where it's not just like an elitist you know oh we know how to do that we're not going to tell you yeah yeah i was kind of worried it was going to be like that when i first started getting in and I was embarrassed to tell people that I'd only been doing it a short amount, you know, short period of time. But now it's, I, I, I don't even, I haven't even been doing it a year and I already am doing a podcast, which is kind of suspect, but at the same time, everybody, no one's giving me flack about it. So, you know, if it doesn't exist, make it is kind of the, the heart of that kind of like DIY ethos. Um, so yeah, Yeah. start a, start a podcast, start a company, build some kits. (laughs) You know, start a <laughs> outdoor concert series. Going back to the what you just said with the, um, if it doesn't exist, make it. So there, were, like you said earlier, there was the, you know there there are the three modules that you mentioned, and then the one didn't do a per- particular thing that you wanted it to do. So that was that sounded like the kind of the beginning of why you chose this particular module, the dual digital shift register, but. It, can you elaborate more on why, I mean, out of the whole world of, of modules that you could start with, like what was so appealing about that? Was it a, like a, you wanted to crack the code on making the perfect version of it or? Um, no, it just, it kind of the idea I'd seen. Um, uh, so I was really fascinated with the Benjolin again. It's a really interesting instrument. I really recommend looking into it. It's tons of fun. Um, but I was particularly um, interested in, again, Casper Electronics. It's uh, Pete Edwards. Um, his modifications that he made to it, which is um, he made it able to be externally clocked and also the individual uh, have gate outputs on it. Um, and both those modifications really interested me. Um, uh-huh. But there's no, like... It's it's just the schematics. There's no like official PCB or anything for his mods. Um, and then I oh had, okay yeah I had gotten a Benjolin um, and played with it for a while, and it's a great instrument. But it's one of those modules that always sounds like the same thing. Um, you know those modules mm-hmm. that are so characteristically themselves. Yes. Where you can always pick it out of a mix. It's like oh that's this module. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that the clouds is like that. And I, and I, and I just traded somebody for one cause I'm just so curious and I'm like, I'm going to try and make it not sound like clouds, but I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I haven't really used clouds that much actually, but yeah, there are definitely some modules that are like that. And so I wanted to be able to clock it externally, but I couldn't. So I was like, this is what I want. Uh, I wanted to do this and I wanted to be able to be clocked. And so I'm going to make it. But yeah, so I'm looking at the picture here, and um, it's it's called the dual because it's basically two 
two of these shift registers in one module, and you've got a clock and data in, and then four outs from that. Uh, yeah, um, five, five outputs. So there's a clock input and a data input, um, and the, the data input is only uh, is a gate, expects gate signals. Um, and so when it gets a clock pulse, it looks at the data input, and if it's high, it moves a high signal into the first stage of the shift register. Um, and if it's low, it moves a low signal into the first stage of the shift register. And then every um, on the next clock pulse, whatever is in the first stage of the shift register gets moved into the second stage. And what's in the second stage is moved to the third stage. Um, and third stage, the fourth stage. Um, and then, yeah, so it does that. It both looks at the oh okay looks at the data input and also causes um, the data already in the register to move down by one stage. Um, when the data reaches the fourth stage, it's um, XORed back against the incoming data, um, and basically XORed means oh. uh, the data signal will be high if one signal or the other is high but it'll be low if neither or both are high. Okay. And that, that's, that's a form of logic, right? Yeah, it's a Boolean logic. Um, okay. Yeah. And then the four stages... I'm starting to understand. <laughs> and then the four uh, uh, stages are summed together and put into a digital-to-analog converter um, and out <clears throat> outputs uh, CV. Uh, based on oh, the state of the four gates. That is super cool. I was wondering what the, the difference was, and I was like sitting here like tapping my f fingertips together, waiting to hear what that CV out was. That's, that's, okay, so it, it, that makes the videos that I've seen of it make um, more sense. I was yeah. watching it the other, the other day, and uh, it just seems like such a useful module. And speaking of uh, noise engineering, talking to them last night, I was gushing over the uh, Basimilus at Teratos. Uh -huh. And when I saw your video of the dual digital shift register, I was like, oh my God, those two are a match made in heaven. I love all the noise engineering stuff. And yeah, using those together, um, it's very handy um, as a rhythmic tool, kind of uh, sequencing percussion, um, mm -hmm. both because it has the gate outputs and also because um, it's not a especially random, random module. Um, it has, <laughs> it has a limited number of states, um, like different levels that the CV can output. Um, and the states kind of tend to repeat for periods of time. Um, so it kind of, uh, in terms of making rhythmic kind of like drum sounds, it's good not to have everything completely unrelated and completely random. Um, so it's a very, mm -hmm. it's kind of a musical output. It's not kind of all over the place. It's kind of more controlled and tight. Okay. Um, which is kind of a difference oh. from the DIY version. The DIY version went all over the place and I kind of took it and edited it and made it tighter and, you know, a uh, little more musical. The first thing that I think of is drums. Like when I, when I see a module like this and when I hear one explained like this, but are, what are some other... Uh, functions that you, that you uh, find yourself using it for? Yeah, um, a lot of drums. Uh, I've been using, yeah, as a drum uh, and percussion sequencer and also using uh, gate signals for modulation um, is 
okay. uh, particularly good if you're making drum sounds. Um, yeah, it goes really well with the Basimilis, Ateritas, and just kind of all of the noise engineering stuff. Um, but then you can also run it at audio rate, um, and it'll make noise. Um, oh, nice. Uh, it kind of uh, offsets uh, clock signals um, by up to four clock pulses. So you can have these gate uh, rhythms that are kind of offset from uh, like a master clock, a number of beats. Yeah, and so it can do kind of like pretty repeatable musical phrases or it can get pretty wild and random. It depends on kind of the relationship between the clock signal and the data signal. Um, so mm -hmm. if those two are really closely related, um, then it will output more uh, periodically repeating patterns, but if they are different, um, they, it gets more unpredictable. Um, so it oh, kind of that's like, cool. So there, there's a way to round that up or kind yeah. of rein, rein that in. So you can, you can go crazy random with it. Or if you, if you want to tighten something up that you have that option, that's, yeah. that is super cool. Yeah. It, it requires, um, or it doesn't, yeah, kind of it's, good with a bit of like give and take it's not just um it's not just uh you plug a clock into it it's and it goes and does its thing it's kind of as you adjust uh the s signals going into it it changes with it and it's not just because uh, it's not just a one-sided thing it kind of has its kind of has its own idea of what it wants to do um and you have your idea of what you want it to do but it kind of <laughs> you know, does its own thing to a certain degree. Sounds like you just described modular synthesis in general. <laughs> yeah, basically. That is kind of, that's the <laughs> thing that I love. One of the things I really love about modular synthesis is it is, it's a conversation. It's a back and forth, a give and take. It's not like if you're playing a guitar, it's you're playing a guitar. Um, so like a one way thing, it's your fingers touching the strings and that's being amplified and, that's how you play guitar. Whereas a modular synth, you kind of are, you know, listening to it as much as it's listening to your input. That might be one of my favorite descriptions. <laughs> I'm going to, I will credit you, but I am going to definitely use that next time somebody asks me about it. That's a really great way of, of looking at it. Um, yeah, because I've, I've heard other people say that they're drawn to it because it's almost like you, you, you've got an, uh, you know, some sort of animal or other being that you're, you know, yeah, that's there's kind a, of acting of its own free will or something. Yeah, the kind of, the circuits are kind of alive and you're kind of like routing a, a conversation of electricity in between these individual building blocks. Um, yeah, and you're kind of directing that kind of, that conversation, I like to call it conversation. It's kind of give and take back and forth. Yeah, I like that. So on the topic of just modular synthesis in general, um, I'm kind of curious. It seems like there's a few type types of, of people who just there's a few styles of 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 um, acquiring gear or getting rid of gear. And as an example, I'm I'm the person who gets a module because I can't live without it. And then I get it for, you know, a month and then I'm already, you know, trying to trade it for the next thing. And of course there are, there are some mainstays in my rack that, that won't leave, but I'm just kind of, I don't know if it's cause I'm new, but I, that then I have a friend, a close friend of mine who 
researches extensively and when he buys a module that module goes in his rack and it will stay there for years so where on that spectrum do you fall i I don't know i like keeping modules around kind of giving them a chance um for a bit but i mean you can you can kind of tell when a to a certain degree you can kind of tell when a module will or won't fit in your rack but i mean some things just take time to figure out um yeah and I think it's really it's really helpful to kind of sit down and kind of learn a module um, with like a limited amount of things, um, like a limited amount of other modules so you can kind of focus in on it. Um, so using kind of like a, a particular module in a smaller setup um, can be handy. I just have uh, like a 6U that I kind of uh, swap modules in and out for, um, and just kind of using modules in a limited capacity can kind of makes you get the most out of what you have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cause because of how, how I just described my, my method of acquiring and getting rid of modules, I definitely started realizing that I was spending more time looking at them than I was using them. So I, I put I put that restriction on myself, and I went to six U, just uh, two two rows of eighty four, and um, that was a really good way for me to start thinking about how, what exactly I I needed, to to make the type of music that I want to make, and I feel like I'm I'm maturing as a as a user, and and in fact I just got an IntelliGel shapeshifter today, and I this thing looks so complicated, and I'm. <laughs> going to force myself to learn how to use it. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to become more like, more like you and my friend David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, I assume there's some pretty good documentation on the shapeshifter um, in terms of how to use it. Um, That's actually, it's really important for modular companies to provide a lot of documentation a lot, especially on kind of more weird and esoteric modules. Um, I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. companies come out with these really strange modules and just kind of are like, okay, now figure it out. Yeah. I've definitely had some, some bad experiences with, with something like that, just getting something and finding no resources for it. Yeah. And knowing that it had really cool options, but just, just also knowing that I'm never going to figure them out myself. (laughs) Yeah, there's like little things that you probably wouldn't think of in a module if you, you know, are just using it for the first time. Well, I've been shooting demos. Uh, gonna have by the time this airs, there'll be more up. Okay, yeah, and and speaking of of documentation, um, I'm looking through your your manual right now, and it looks very well um, constructed, and even has like a tip section at the end, um, like and a lot of diagrams and everything like I think I think that's really really useful especially with something like this which at first sight looks like it might be pretty simple um because there's no knobs on it it's it's all inputs and outputs but it it does some really really cool complicated things and I think with without knobs and you know knowing that it's complicated and not seeing knobs might actually also maybe be kind of frightening for people so it's awesome that you have these this awesome layout for it. 
Thank you. Actually, my, my background is in visual art, so I pour a lot of that kind of energy into making, you know, things that look visually appealing. Um, yeah, and also, and after you explained how the module works, I'm just looking at the faceplate, and I'm like, oh, the faceplate tells you how it works. Yeah. Like, yeah. through the graphic. That also looks cool. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, d- so did you design your faceplate as well? Yeah, I do. I did the faceplate. I do all the... I did the of the manual, the promotional art, uh, that sort of stuff. I have my girlfriend help me with the written stuff, uh, so she can use her English degree. Um, oh, nice! <laughs> and you you have it hooked up, so we could we could run through a couple. Uh, maybe uh, give us some demonstrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do some demonstrations. Are you interested in getting started with modular synthesis, but you're worried about the cost? Join the hundreds of others who have never held a soldering iron in building your own superb modular synthesizer. All AI synthesis modules are wiring-free, skiff-friendly, have free schematics, and full how-to-build videos. They are, simply put, the easiest to build modules in the world. Not only does AI synthesis fully support their own modules, they also have general guides for tools to buy, how to build a $26 oscilloscope, and much more. Find out more at AISynthesis.com. So here we have uh, the Basimlis Aterikos being triggered um, by Tempe. Um, and that same clock is going into uh, both channels on the DDSR. Um, and yeah, I'm plugging the CV output into the pitch input. Oh, cool. <laughs> So the two different sides have two different uh, CV ranges. Um, the left side, which we're hearing now, is about uh, zero to three, um, and the right side is about zero to four. Um, so it's kind of not—it's okay. kind of pretty limited, subdued in its amount of modulation. Uh, this is the right side. And then so that's kind of the CV output. Where it kind of really shines is then using, it's it's useful as kind of, let me just mute this. There we go. Um, it's useful as kind of like a hub of modulation using all of those outputs to affect a number of different things at the same time, creating these kind of interrelated uh, patterns of modulation. So let me just... So then this is uh, using gate signals into various inputs on the basimlis while it's being, the pitch is being sequenced. Also use the also use the gate signals to trigger drum sounds at the same time. 
so all of this, uh, all of the drum triggers and the CV are all coming from the DDSR in this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like giving me an idea for like, uh, like some warped ice cream truck music. <laughs> yeah, kind of dissonant ice cream truck. <laughs> so how many of the uh, you're using both sides right now right and are yeah. you using all of the, the gate outputs for different um, CV inputs on the basimilis or and you're triggering some other drum samples with them as well yeah so it's uh, two or three different drum signals, um, two from the Pico drums, and one from the transient, uh, the future retro transient. Um, so right now I'm using all of the gates and. Yeah, all the. Uh, gates and CVs is getting pretty loud. <laughs> wow, that's super cool. So you kind of have all these interrelated um, outputs um, that are random, but they're not kind of overly, overly random. Um, they right. Still kind of, yeah. It's like a cohesive rhythm, and kind of there are parts that repeat, and there are parts that that it changes. Um, very cool yeah yeah so and like i'm thinking about it like what you were saying is is using it with with multiple you know sound sources and and controlling different types of things and i'm after listening to that i'm thinking like oh what could you do with the controlling vcas with multiple oscillators going into multiple vcas like I don't know. It seems like the uh, the possibilities are, are kind of limitless on something like this. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a lot of options um, in terms of, like, modulation. It's kind of a small package and kind of offers a pretty good amount of uh, modulation from that kind of small package um, where they're kind of, you know, they're interrelated but different enough. Um, to make it kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You can kind of do these offset rhythms um, because the gate signals are all offset a number of clock pulses from the clock that is clocking it, but also kind of, it's not a steady offset. It kind of comes in and out, um, kind of pseudo-randomly pseudo uh, uh delayed from an incoming uh, clock signal. So it's like a gate okay. delay. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm, it's, I, I have a very, very loose understanding on, on the, um, a lot of these terms, but Oh no. Um, that's another so reason like, I wanted to do this. No, I, I, I think <laughs> what I was saying is I think I, I think I'm finally at the point where I might've just understood what you said. <laughs> cool. I mean, I can, I can, kind of explain it more but yeah if you could break it down that'd be awesome 
yeah, it kind of it offsets it from the uh, the timing signal that's clocking it, and it's kind of it's uh, each one of those is like a divide. It's like divide by four output. You can use it as a um, uh, four uh, divide by four clock dividers that are offset by one clock pulse from each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be super useful in making some um, some kind of glitchy. I, I'm just picturing doing some like glitchy drums with, with something like that. Yeah, it's perfect for glitchy drums because uh, I love doing glitchy drums. So I made it for that purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, yeah, first and foremost, I'm designing modules for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, yeah, that's especially in, in a... a with like a um you know a, a small a smaller company smaller operation and a smaller like kind of super uh niche market you know yeah like you're not you're not trying to sell to to korg's audience so you might as well make what you want to make it's kind of yeah, like and how i view making music right now i'm like i'm just making stuff that i want to listen to and if i want to hear it then somebody else might want to yeah yeah, I was talking to my dad about this, and he was like, "How are you? How are you gonna make, copyright it? What if someone steals your idea?" And I was like, "Dad, no one's gonna steal this. No one would like. It's such a niche. It's a niche product inside a very. It's a very niche product inside a very niche marketplace. No one's gonna copy it. Yeah. No one's gonna like some company in China is not gonna rip it off and mass produce it. Yeah, and if they did, what a compliment." <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty nice. Danger <laughs> is stepping into the market. I feel like some of the smaller companies are. It's gonna kind of push the market weirder, um, and make more modules that you know Danger couldn't mass produce because they aren't. It wouldn't make sense um, to mass produce it. But the people who really want this weird thing will get it. Yeah, yeah. That seems uh, uh, this. Uh, in particular, which I might bleep out, um, <laughs> who we're talking about because of recent events, but oh, yeah, um, I don't want to get sued. Yeah, um, it seems like there's been a lot of conversation about that, and uh, we just talked about it last night actually with, with uh, Chris and Steven. And I, 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 I like your take on it, and it seems to, it seems to be that that's kind of the, the overall thing is like, yeah, they, they're they can come into modular and they can, they can start doing some Moog clones, but they're not going to, they're not going to do a phonogene clone, you know? Yeah. Then it's just not, it's just not worth it for them. And as much as I am kind of like, it's a bummer that they're swooping in and, you know, making undercutting a lot of the market, it does ultimately make it more accessible to more people, which is a good thing because people, people after they get into it, they're going to realize that, these this unnamed company makes very low quality instruments and kind of it won't be the most interesting things and then they'll move out and find you know kind of the interesting stuff that only your rack can do or just modular synth really does um, exactly yeah I, I keep going back and forth because i don't know the whole the whole legal thing seems pretty pretty strange to me um and but yeah, that's the price of entry on this, and I and I'm seeing I've seen this this article going around, um, on on Facebook about how, um, just components are gonna 
become like 25% more expensive. So what's that going to yeah. do? What's that going to do to modular? It's already like, you know, it's almost life ruining expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just going to get more expensive. Uh, yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, it's not like everyone's going to fold, but you know, some people are, are going to have to close up shop because things are getting too expensive and they can just get undercut by companies that can produce it cheaper and faster. It's kind of unfortunate. The whole world right now seems pretty unfortunate. Yeah. I don't want to get too serious, but like I'm just more and more convinced that we live in a simulation every day because shit is so bonkers. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the simulation has been fucking up a lot lately. (laughs) You know, I... All right, stick me stick with me on this because this one this is get this gets weird. But um, so you know the Greys, like the aliens. Oh yeah. I have a theory that the Greys that have been seen by humans are just future humans that can time travel um, because they have forward-facing eyes and they have they're very anthropomorphic and the, the likelihood that they would experience the same environmental pressures out wherever it was, you know. To create the same type of uh, morphology is just totally not uh, not likely at all. So I think they're actually just like teenagers who just got their license to drive their their tri- time traveling <laughs> flying saucers, and they've just came back too many times and fucked with the past, and 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 that's how we've got to where we are. It's just they've yeah. they've fucked with the the ripple too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not being serious. I don't really think that. But <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, no, shit's shit's pretty fucked up, to say the least. Yeah, I've been I've been like kind of feeling guilty about you know even enjoying doing a podcast lately, like or trying to talk about stuff like this because there's so much so much heavy shit going on. But it's also like we kind of need a break. Yeah, um, you need some some levity. You need to you know talk about this niche hobby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> real nerd shit. <laughs> yeah, the thing. It's like it requires a lot of much understanding, especially Eurac, because the market is so wide. It requires a lot of research. Um, it's really nerdy. I but I like I see kind of people posting like oh what's the best filter uh-huh. um and it's like well you have to you gotta you know do a little research what's what's good for you like um yeah that's you know, not even wanna... really a question yeah like, what's what the best do you filter make? for like, you yeah another thing i like to kind of say about modular synthesis is that there aren't rules there are just limitations uh-huh um, cause you can kind of do whatever you want, but you, you know, there's no wrong way to patch. Um, but there are certain limitations that you're going to run to that are inherent in kind of making music with, or art with a modular synthesis, so modular synthesizer. Well, a bit more of a puzzle to figure out while they're making music. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately a modular synthesizer is just a tool in making art right? Um, that can be part of a larger, you know, arsenal, so to speak, of art making or music making materials. You know, you can, I feel like there's often an emphasis on just kind of like, well, this had no computers involved and 
that is, you know, good and that can make things interesting, but it's just, they're just a tool in making art and the end product, the art that you make is the really important part more so than how you make it. I want to just take a moment to say to the listener, if that didn't sink in, rewind it 15 seconds and listen to what Naomi just said, because that is something I think all of us modular enthusiasts need to be reminded of. Sometimes we get this stuff to make music. <laughs> I mean, we, we nerd out on gear so much and rearrange our racks. And I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I've also had this conversation with a lot of friends who are also into it. And yeah, so thank you. So we need to be reminded that we are also, we, we need to make music with these things. <laughs> yeah. Or art. I've been getting into the video synthesis stuff. <laughs> I've been so interested in that. I like the um, LZX has that video thing. That looks oh, yeah, amazing. it's amazing. I get to play with one at a friend's house and I so in love so quickly. <laughs> yeah, I went down to uh, Austin and went to uh, Switched On and mm-hmm. they had one set up in there and it was funny they had it they had it set up on an old commodore 64 monitor and it was like the <sighs> exact same one that i used to play playstation when i was in oh, high that's school amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> it was it just like it just tickled so many different areas of my brain i was like oh i yeah. have to have both of those <laughs> <laughs> um so what is there anything on the horizon as far as like what what's the next what's the next module do you do you already have an idea or are you kind of you kind of workshopping different ideas yeah actually i was uh prototyping today and yesterday for the next module um, awesome yeah um, got it on breadboard underst- cool and i understand if you don't want to talk about what that is but if you do we would love to hear about no, it no it's a it's a logic module um, okay yeah so it kind of relates to the dual digital shift register. Um, they kind of complement each other really well um, in terms of like sequencing uh, using gate signals. Um, so it's kind of, you know, Boolean logic. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm liking it so far as playing around with it today, sequencing drums and stuff and it's, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Awesome. But it's very yeah, emotional, so of course I think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I'm always curious to, to, to talk to people who are developing, you know, their own line of modules and, and see, like, you know, it sounds like maybe are you kind of viewing OMI as something that's that it's going to be kind of within the same family of, like, utility, or are you just kind of whatever sounds exciting to you at the moment is what you're going to make, or do you kind of have, like, a (laughs) far-sighted... Yeah, I mean, I have a Google Doc with, like, I don't know, like, 25 different ideas of stuff that I'll I'll eventually do, Um, so I'm kind of working at that list. Got to work on programming. Okay. Uh, Not a programmer yet, so... Once I get that, <laughs> once I get a little more experience there, there's a bunch of modules that I'd like to work towards. Okay. So what's like the pie in the sky dream module? Pie in the sky? Um, yeah. Ultimately, I'd like to have kind of a uh, self-contained system um, that could just be used on its own. Um, but I wouldn't actually want anyone to just use my own modules. I think they're made kind of to go with other people's modules too because there's mm-hmm. um yeah things that p- 
people do that are interesting that I'm not going to do. Um, and it's, you know, meant to interface with a larger system. Right. So are, are you thinking like 104 HP size system or like 84? Um, yeah, more like 104, but... Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd re- I'd like to release kind of like a, like a system package, like a... Not like a shared system, but something like that, but have, you know, like half of it empty for other people to put their own oh. stuff in. Yeah, I like that. Sweet. So you, you have your your, um, your, mod- your modular all set up, right? Yeah. Do you feel like maybe uh, doing the patch challenge? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, since, um, since you can't draw the, the words out of the envelopes, because I'm holding them and we are states away, I'll draw your adjective for you. And it is merciful. That's a weird one. Merciful transmission. So I'll give you a 15 minutes. Um, and then like... Hey gang, so uh, a recent guest, Kyle Swisher, AKA Dark Sparkler, uh, released his year one cassette. And I have two of them, so I'm gonna give one away. If you would like one, there are a few things I need you to do. Follow both of us on Instagram, Podular Modcast and Dark Sparkler. Then go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And in your review, write a really funny story. And then screenshot that and then upload it to Instagram and tag Dark Sparkler and the Podular Modcast. And Kyle, aka Dark Sparkler, will pick a winner and we will announce that July 30th. So please help us out, rate, review, subscribe, and possibly get yourself a fancy cassette tape. All right, seven and a half minutes. Okay. So, merciful transmission. What what were your thoughts going into to this? Like, um. Well, I spent like three minutes just trying to find a decent number station on YouTube because uh, that's kind of what <laughs> I thought of in terms of uh, transmission, merciful or otherwise. Now what is what is that that you're that what's the transmission? Uh, it's a number station. Are you familiar with number stations? I am not. Um, so number stations, it's kind of this weird phenomena of these certain. I believe they're shortwave radio. Um, uh, but on certain frequencies, these stations just broadcast sequences of numbers and kind of the NATO alphabet. And no one is quite sure what they're used for. Um, oh, weird. So that's kind of what I, what my first thought was. Nice. I like, I like, uh, I like how to hear how different people, um, kind of interpret or get inspired by the words. All right. That's 15 minutes. Cool. Um, I'm gonna let you perform it to your heart's content, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll we'll chat a little more. All right. Let me uh, turn this back up. (laughs) 
That was so cool. That got really, really uh, nightmarish at the end. <laughs> yeah, in a, a little bit. In a cool way. <laughs> that was rad. Um, Thank you. Well, um, I just saw on Facebook that you had just had a, a milestone, a five-year anniversary. I wanted to say congratulations about that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was a five-year anniversary of being on a hormone replacement therapy. Uh, I am a transgender woman. Woman, um, yeah, not much <laughs> to really talk <laughs> on that much. It's kind of interesting. Um, the modular synth community. There are it's a pretty good number of uh, trans people. Um, you know, it's to some degree it's pretty welcoming. Um, but we have not we have. Um, there is a decent community of trans people within the modular synth community. Yeah. Yeah, and I was uh, I was just wondering if if you said for the most part you're being you're being you're being treated respectfully, but it's it's yeah. not across the board. And it, and I heard from Chris last night talking about you know she was talking about the ladies of modular thing and and just how um, and I think a lot of men are unaware, but they're as open and welcoming as the modular community appears to be. It maybe isn't so much towards women and and trans people. I mean, yeah, for the most part, people are 
welcoming. Um, it's been really nice. It's just little things that happen from time to time. Um, yeah, I guess it's just about being mindful of, you know, the people that are in not just the modular synth community, but people on a whole in general, just being mindful and respectful of people um, is important, obviously. Right. Yeah. And, and like, and, and like you said, um, sometimes it's, it's maybe not even out of ill intent, but just kind of more of a, um, no, uh, it's just, just kind, kind of, of a blind. Yeah. It's coming from a place of, you know, ignorance and, you know, you know, it often, you know, people meanwhile, um, but they just don't know. They don't have, you know, they haven't been, they haven't learned the language or, you know, met that many people of, you know, different kinds of backgrounds. So they may not be used to, uh, how to, how to approach a situation involving, you know, women or trans people or anything else. Um, so I guess it's just mostly about talking to people. Um, yeah, informing them. Uh, so if anyone has questions after this, uh, I guess you can post them my way, send them my way, I guess. <laughs> and, and please. Yeah. If I, I, I encourage people to do that as well. And I appreciate you, you offering, you know, offering that up for, for people to, to, uh, have a, have a resource maybe if they, if they have some questions, but that said, listeners, don't be, don't be assholes. <laughs> you know, Pure make and sure simple. you're being respectful yeah. about it. Pure and yeah. simple. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> there's, there's definitely things that, that I'm sure I do that I don't know that I do. Um, and I think it's, it's hard. And, and for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's hard to get past the point of, kind of being defensive because oh i wasn't trying to be a jerk and then you 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 got and it's easy to get that knee-jerk reaction because nobody wants to be a jerk and i think the the biggest lesson i'm learning lately is is to try to not have a, a knee-jerk reaction and actually consider yeah know, it's just something. you know just kind of the best thing to do in that sort of situation is just kind of uh shut up and listen to what the person is saying and just kind of, it's not about you. Um, it's, you know, turning it into a, a learning experience, um, which is important and something we all need to do about learning from, about other people's perspectives and lived experiences is really important. Absolutely. Yes. Well, th thank you for sharing with us. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so inspiring to see, I, in, in all, in all walks of life and in any way seeing people, um, fully being themselves, uh, that's, that's just in, in whatever way it takes to be yourself is that's, that's just such an inspirational thing. And the, the more we see people doing that and the more we, we hear people, um, you know, speaking up for themselves and saying, this is who I am and I'm going to be myself. It's just, it just allows more people to hear that and maybe encourages people to do that more themselves. And I did not say that very well and <laughs> I need to shut up, but, um, yeah. Um, and as far as music, do you have any music that we can listen to? Do you have a recording project or uh, I know you do modular on the spot pretty Yeah, I do regularly, modular on the right? spot. I've been releasing music, uh, well, I haven't been releasing it yet, um, as, um, 
poor impulse width modulation. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> In July, I have two events for uh, Dirty Looks On Location Festival in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, one is doing a night of uh, video synthesis, video art, and the other is doing a live rescoring of uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man using modular synthesizers. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I did a yeah. live scoring, uh, a live rescoring and performance for uh, the movie Predator. Uh, oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty fun. That's cool that you got that you're doing that. So have you started working on that? Because it's a it's quite an undertaking. Yeah, no, we're, we've been working on that. We've been making sketches for it. Um, yeah. And if um, do you have like a band camp or anything people can go to? Yeah. Uh, poor impulse with modulation dot bandcamp dot com. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> oh, and so one 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 point of clarification, it's Omi Industries, uh, not Omni Industries. As many people I thought have. it was Omni Industries at first. Yeah, too, so and I'm, it, it's, I'm glad I caught that before we talked. Yeah, it's also spelled weird. It's O M I I N U no N D U S T I I S T R I I E S Omi Industries. Two eyes at the end. <laughs> Let me spell I that like again. It. Let me spell that again because I kind of stumbled there. O M I I N D U S T R I I E S Omi Industries. Like Naomi Industries. Well, thank you very much for your time. This was a lot of yeah. fun. And, yeah, um, it was great talking to you. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can uh, stay in touch. And if you ever come up to Seattle, uh, don't hesitate to get a hold of us and we can, uh, yeah. we can hang out. Yeah, we'll do. All right. Thank you to Naomi for uh, being on the show. Much appreciated. And listener, go check out omiindustries.com. And also, if you can uh, help out uh, Chloe and Mark and baby Cameron, that would be awesome. Uh, like I said in the intro, the um, GoFundMe link is in the description of the episode. Uh, if you can't find it for some reason and you uh, uh, would like to help out, uh, email me at podmodcast at gmail.com. Until next week. <laughs>